0: so i often have to refer to our shared google doc for the show planning and yeah i was pulling it up just now and you know because it my browser remembers me i start just typing teach and usually it it gets there it's like here's that google doc you're always going to (laughs) sometimes i accidentally end up just googling teach me communism
1: Ooh, (laughs) what were your results (laughs)
0: I mean we get our podbean page and we get our Instagram handle. Uh but there's I want to talk about the video result.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs>
0: uh the channel name is called Trigonometry. <laughs>
1: uh, okay. Doesn't sound good.
0: Yeah. It's not. I mean, I haven't uh I haven't watched this delightful little hour and 16 minute video. I don't have that much time in my life to kill. Uh, But the title is The Truth About Communism, Gulags, and the Left.
1: Oh, okay. This is better than I thought. I thought we were dealing with death threats. Okay. That's a little better.
0: No. (laughs) No, no, no. Not related to us. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Trigonometry being, look how often they pulled the trigger on the victims of (laughs) communism.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Some of the key moments in this video, you know, YouTube does that now. Uh, Rule for punishment camp blocks. Prisoners of war, NKVD secret police. So lots of fun stuff in that video.
1: Oh yeah. Now you know we've talked about plenty of triggering moments and trigger pulling moments of the you know of various communist projects of like maybe you know they had the guy Vasily bloken who they had like you know systematically just doming people in Ooh. in one of the uh you know KGB or I guess maybe I don't remember what the acronym was at that time, but. They were doing some mass executions during the purge. This dude like lost his mind afterward and stuff very scarring, oh. but by and large that's that's just a funny <laughs> overblown I had to on that in that vein I had to make some notes so i've I've really been like relying on sources and and even indulging in like teachers pay teachers stuff, which is where you kind of buy your lesson plans and shit like that materials oh, okay. you, you can buy like worksheets and notes yeah and yeah shit to use far more like this year than all my previous years combined <laughs> just because it's a lot uh
0: yeah because you are teaching like multiple subjects right? teaching like,
1: multiple subjects and it's this accelerated block schedule where you have a block day every day with the same right. kids so you're like essentially teaching two days at once so yeah, it's just a lot yeah. to plan for it's like an hour 30 minutes that's a lot of material so yeah oh and it does you know, it's not like A day, B day to where you can kind of alternate the planning. It's like mm-hmm. all day, every day. Just, it's just. Wow. Yeah. So I've had to rely on some of that, but I had to make my own uh, notes section for this part that I've have, I've been kind of treating myself to not doing that lately because it was the rise of dictator section, which is here's <laughs> Hitler and Mussolini and uh-huh. the Japanese emperor and Stalin. And here's the ways that they were all pretty similar and bad.
0: Here's all the ways they're equally bad.
1: Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, okay, I am going to teach them all about these guys at the same time. Because the unit says so when I I want them to associate the names. Because they're going to ask them to associate the names on the test is is the real reason. Oh, Uh, that sucks. But at least I can present them with you know, hey, here's these guys. Hey, also here's Francisco Franco doing the exact same thing in Spain, uh, you know, against leftists there. And here's Stalin who, okay, yeah, he did some of the things and, you know, and he was kind of mean and did some bad things. But why was he doing this? It wasn't to kill all the Jews. It was to protect against this crazy guy in Germany, like, you know, Nazi aggression. And, you know, in addition to that, like it's sort of the reason that, they didn't win that you know that the nazis didn't win as it it was it was bloody and not everyone liked it and certainly had some (laughs) downsides to it too but it was for a different reason
0: (laughs) yeah it wasn't pure genocidal pure you know racist kind of shit
1: yeah although like you know we covered in the apps of course there were there was there were aspects where they did fall short or either be overzealous about things and say, we're just going to go after this whole entire ethnic group because of this mm-hmm. one thing or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that sucked.
0: Definitely. We're not, this is not a full throated endorsement of Stalin. Yeah. I feel like we should just say that at the top of every episode, save some people some time in their reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's like typing and they just have to backspace like, Oh, okay.
1: I do hope that as a show we have improved from at least my early days where I was criticized as an American Trotskyist. What does that even mean? Well, it's because I sort of, in my earlier days, was a little less critical of the just kind of broad anti-Stalin stuff that's out that we swim around in, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: was a little more like, oh yeah, Stalin, he's an asshole, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, we were were raised in that culture. It's going to take some unlearning, and I think we've done pretty well.
1: Yeah, while not jumping over into just sort of fetishization of all things Soviet or something, you know? We're still we're a little fanboyish for him, but like reasonably.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I'd say I'm a fanboy. Like, I I will admit, like like I I much preferred Lenin and I much preferred Trotsky.
1: Okay, yeah, I don't know now. I I don't really think I prefer Trotsky. I feel like he was.
0: He was also pretty nuts. He up was such.
1: Stuff. He was just like such a smartass kind of like. He seems <laughs> like the guy who's always coming up with problems, but not really solutions. You know.
0: He's a reply guy for sure. I
1: mean, I feel like even Lennon said that in the Testament. He was like, this guy is kind of an <laughs> asshole. You know,
0: he, yeah. he likes to be. I mean, Lennon was petty as fuck, though. Yeah,
1: that's true. I mean, maybe you just have to have to have some of that a little bit of. Well, but then there's Castor, who was just cool. So I guess you don't have to have that.
0: <laughs> I think that's our real fanboy tendency right oh, there. Yeah. It's Cuba fanboys. For real. Is it good to go to Cuba? I keep hearing conflicting things. Do people want us to go?
1: us what do you mean like
0: not us (laughs) i mean like economically or like ethically because you know like hawaiians are like don't fucking come to hawaii which is like yeah i get it that's okay that's probably pretty exploitative yeah
1: but i think it's good broadly speaking for cuba because the cuban government makes it good for tourists to come there so they like Mm. require you to do i don't know if they require just americans to do this or everyone who goes there but there's like things you have to do um like you have to do like social good for people like you have to do like oh you have to go on cultural experiences they like make you have a good Mm. vacation there basically and like interact with cuban people um and like they have host kind of families and stuff for you to interact with as well yeah so you know and and of course the western press is going to say well this is just propaganda and they're giving you handlers Mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff and I mean, to some extent, I would give. You know, to be honest, I don't know how much they're actually giving handlers, but I would give handlers to people who are you know visiting me from like the enemy empire that's actively strangling my country. <laughs> yeah, regardless of how good intention they fair. are. But <laughs> you know, I, I also think there's a positive uh, outcome to that of getting to talk to regular Cubans and stuff and get their you know position on what we you know what they think about the country because. It is a lot freer than the American press likes to make it out to be too like a way free like people will oh, do yeah. protests people will you know actively like not talk about taking down the government but talk about like man the government we'll fucked this shit. up yeah like like any place you know, and so you can actually get that side of it but no, I think it I think especially for actual leftists, it's good to go to Cuba. i mean i could be mistaken correct me if i'm wrong if it's actually yeah yeah imperialist bullshit but
0: (laughs) i don't know an influencer i follow went and so i was like curious i was like oh like i i wonder what that's like and like how people feel about that or anything like yeah i was i was actually curious to see if like they got any backlash for it i didn't see anything but yeah i'm interested it sounds amazing
1: oh yeah i would love to go to cuba i don't know if abby would but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be we all just like, go
0: we'll just have a sibling strip
1: go to the bay of pigs <laughs> museum and everything and
0: uh-huh.
1: see all that shit that'd be so cool
0: oh uh, yeah yeah
1: uh speaking of cuba they had a molotov cocktail thrown at their embassy at dc
0: whoa what happened who did it
1: uh i don't think they know yet yeah they have no idea who did it through two molotov cocktails at the Cuban embassy in Washington, D.C., the Cuban foreign minister basically said anti Cuban groups turn to terrorism when they feel impunity, something Cuba has repeatedly warned US authorities about. And no one was hurt, by the way. It's just, yeah, this was hours after President Diaz Canal returned to Havana after attending the UN General Assembly, where in New York, Cuban uh, emigres there were demonstrating against his presence.
0: Wow,
1: there was another thing that someone basically blamed it and just said, "You know this is because of all the shit that y'all are constantly talking about Cuba and everything
0: like blamed it on the u s
1: yeah, let's see national security advisor the of the United States Jake Sullivan condemned the attacks, saying, "Come on, it wasn't us well <laughs> bad, but I just that was kind of a random thing. they have no idea who did this or anything but kind of in that same vein of of anti-cubans you know because i mean the u.s really stirs this up of look at the this terrible but still laughably puny and poor country you don't want to be like them but Mm -hmm. they're also super menacing and bad so we have to you know continuously strangle them
0: (laughs) yeah and i don't know like just in my experience with cuban immigrants like they're very passionate about it which makes sense because like they left if they liked it they probably would be there yeah yeah. So the ones you meet are like fuck the place.
1: Right, yeah. Back in the day it would've been like Russian emigres from the Soviet Union. Would have been totally. you know, they're white Russians. Like they did not like the Soviet Union or you know, initially they're just, you know, white supporters of of not the Reds, but you know, over time maybe they are not really, you know, imperialists or something, but they just didn't like it for whatever reason or they were criminals in it or something. Or they felt like they could do what they wanted to do different reasons, but
0: totally, totally.
1: I don't know. That's kind of an interesting nuance sometimes is I think my base reaction to people who've moved from Cuba and other social States is like, "Mm, what's wrong with you? Like what? Like,
0: (laughs) did you get kicked out? You can tell me. Well, not,
1: yeah, I mean more like what stripe of reactionary are you that made you do that? You know, like that's my initial, but there are, other reasons i think why people would do that
0: well i think if you look at and this is painting with a very broad brush so like pardon that i guess but i'm just speaking like sociologically generally if you look at like immigrant mindsets in a lot of situations it's very much like i'm trying to get more opportunity for like my kids and my family and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but often that comes with a set of almost like they enjoy or they they admire the like capitalist or the puritan values of america in some way of like i just want to work hard and i just want to you know like they they oftentimes can have they they're able to accept that narrative i find
1: they're kind of strivers
0: i think in a lot of cases yeah and like i I think immigrants tend to work very hard and tend to like want to provide and again super generalizing here so like (laughs) i'm also speaking from our experience so some people are are more likely to buy into that narrative of, of American dream and stuff like that.
1: I think that makes sense too. Even if you take such a simple thing as the act of emigrating itself, it's hard. I mean, that takes work. That's it's easier to just stay in your fucking country. So (laughs) to have put in the work to uproot, leave, you know, figure out how you're going to stay in contact, if at all with people back there, like it's a whole bunch of logistics shit and waiting and doing paperwork and all that like yeah it it does sort of filter for type a's because it's hard to do
0: (laughs) yeah totally like you're either very patient or you know i mean there's also the case though that you know immigration laws being what they are if you like are wealthy or from certain countries it's much easier
1: yeah and that i think will class-wise sort of bias you in a certain direction as well so it kind of mm-hmm. feet is sort of covalent, I guess. What were you we even talking? Oh, Cuba. Mm. <laughs> we like Cuba.
0: <laughs> we like Cuba. In conclusion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hasta la Victoria Siempre. Uh <laughs> Have you seen this topic buzzing around? It's it's a boys question, so we'll you know, we'll field it here. Okay, okay. And I'll I'll ask you. See I'm a part time often- Yeah, yeah sometimes sometimes not so maybe you're (laughs)
0: when it's convenient to me maybe your
1: frequency is less than most of the boys out there but the question has been going around at least I've seen it on social media how often do you think about the Roman Empire
0: yes yes I told this to Kyle the other day (laughs) and he was like well they're just really cool and he gave reasons I was like what's wrong with you (laughs) oh yeah that cracked me up uh uh never is my answer never okay i follow one a couple of twitter accounts that are like there's like basically a meme page but it's about like the classics and stuff like that and like sometimes i'll i'll see some of their shit and that's about it
1: okay so rare memes
0: rare memes occasionally when it's a jeopardy category but usually only if it's like the gods and goddesses because that's all i know so this is
1: them. totally passive this never comes up in your mind it's always provoked in some way
0: yeah, no, I don't go seeking it out. Uh, Kyle definitely does. I have had to sleep through many hardcore history episodes about fucking Marcus Aurelius or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or
1: what it was like to be at this one battle one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the siege, what was it? I guess the Romans were the ones who did that. The siege at Megiddo or something where they besieged the Jewish like stronghold there and then the, mm. the Jews all like committed suicide to... When the when the Whoa. Romans were, like, closing in or something like that.
0: Whoa, that's hardcore. Yeah. That, I mean,
1: that would be in hardcore history, right? Uh, <laughs> that, that's
0: pretty hardcore.
1: <laughs> so my answer is more frequent, but it I'm excluding, like, school stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you got to teach it in school.
1: Yeah, but I'm excluding that if I just, even during the summer, it will probably be about, like, weekly. But like, at least once a week. Really? But it's not, like pensive or like dorkily thinking about aqueducts like and how mm-hmm. cool they are. Eh, I really don't marvel at them too much. My main thing is their decline and fall. And yeah,
0: you're more on the like, oh, I'm seeing some parallels. Yeah.
1: <laughs> of I, I, I frequently think um how that I've heard and probably said this on the show several times, but How people weren't walking around being like, "Damn, did you see that last week?" Like when everything fell, you know, like that sucked, didn't it? Yeah, people
0: didn't happen all at once. It was
1: just like they started like repairing the roads less, and things Mm -hmm. got shittier. And you know, a few generations later, they were like, "Oh shit, did this all fall a while back?" Like,
0: (laughs) what happened?
1: Is it all over? Oh, yeah. So that's more the context. Okay,
0: I I would say. If I'm driving around on the highway and I'm going over an overpass, I'll think about the Roman Empire and the roads <laughs> and like wonder, when was the last time this was serviced? I don't know. Let's not think about it till we're over the bridge.
1: Hopefully it's some of that <laughs> Roman self-healing concrete that doesn't need fixing.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, we got that good shit.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So there you have it. Teach me communism's answer <laughs> to the burning question. On everyone's mind.
0: Often. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just don't care care about him that much.
1: No, I will say, as a one-time history boy, history dude, like, that is a lot of our gateway, one of our gateways into it, that and, like, World War II. The classic, like, dad history type things is where a (laughs) lot of... It's
0: extremely dad history. Yeah,
1: it's where a lot of young men, I think, start out in their history journey or you know people who gravitate toward the more masculine anyway is battles and wars and warriors and equipment and all that shit
0: dude i came downstairs the other way i turned on my tv and what was on like the play next item on amazon was world's greatest ships and i was like i'm extremely married to a man right now (laughs) like what the fuck is going on
1: oh hell yeah
0: (laughs) that's some dude-ass history it
1: is and Some of us make the, from my own perspective, evolution away from military (laughs) history, but other people may, you know, vary and they they just like that stuff and that's cool. But I definitely, you know, you've heard enough episodes of me being like, okay, yeah, so some battles.
0: (laughs) Big battle. Anyway, these people won.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like a lot of us cut our teeth on that at first.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like my interest in history was much more i've talked about this too i'm on the opposite side very pop history so things like fashion or food food history Mm. was really big for me
1: yeah
0: and more like i don't know i guess just in general to to generalize uh i guess to generalize like more femme history of like marriage or you know like pets is another one i read the history of like medieval pets that was cool yeah yeah just like kind of weird like kind of hard to find records for shit
1: yeah or um language i remember we both read language uh, that was my favorite shit, that was a great book
0: oh, <laughs> i loved that book oh my god
1: just of the like it was a great thesis of like this shift between different periods of focusing on profanity in like the profane or like anti-religious sense sort of thing or mm-hmm. sacred sort of oaths versus the vulgar like the the gross or shit based yeah part of it. hence the title i love it yeah that was that was a cool book
0: yeah a lot of food stuff i've got history of like cutlery basically <laughs> that was really good that one's an
1: interesting history and my broad strokes understanding of it is that people used to just haul around their fucking silverware like but it was actually just like knives because people thought everyone had were a knife like fancy they were like decadent or something
0: yeah, so for a long time, people just ate with one knife, just fucking stabbing meat. It was just easy, <laughs> and like even like little girls, like there are paintings of like little girls wearing a, like a silver tiny knife as a necklace, and I'm like, it's fucking sick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come at me.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Like just trying to get at me. Uh, but yeah, everyone did knives for a while, and then forks got really popular in Victorian times because they're like, we gotta codify every rule all the time. <laughs>
1: mm. Well, we have to just dis- you know distinguish our class from the hoi polloi yes and so basically conspicuous consumption then
0: yeah in a lot of ways that was their thing of of how many fucking utensils can you have but some of it though is interesting like i was listening to a gastropod episode about it and they were saying that like what kind of evolved into our modern spoon like is actually kind of the worst of both worlds (laughs) so like, they used to have more of a shovel-shaped spoon for things where you would need to shovel things. Um, and then they also had more of a basin-shaped spoon for, like, soup. Okay. And what we have now is kind of like a hybrid between the two, and it's not really great at either. Yeah. And they're talking to this guy who was, like, super passionate. He was like, I just fucking hate this spoon. <laughs> it's not as good. And, um, yeah.
1: Do you ever I go agree. to the, like, Chinese buffet and everything, and you get the round, like, good-for-soup spoon? Oh, like it's a circle yeah. and it's a little yes. deeper and you're like, this is the best for soup. Why aren't all spoons yeah. like why, this? Why don't we
0: have these? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. People need more soup spoons.
1: And then you can also have a little spade type of, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Which like, I'm like trying to think what you would need that for. Like put mashed potatoes, I guess.
1: No, I don't think that's just a very useful. Because everything you can do, you can do it with a fork, I feel like.
0: Yeah, like just do the soup spoon. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's boy history and femme history.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if you like a little bit of both, hey, that's that's great. We're in 2023 fine, do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. Do we want to do Labor Corner or do we want to talk about schools?
0: Let's start with Labor Corner because that strike uh, the Hollywood strike. There was some movement, right? Oh,
1: yeah. So the writer's strike they reached a tentative deal they have to ratify it mm-hmm. All right. and so so there's they're not done with the striking as of recording time by release time they may be a couple days gap there but so they have to vote which is set to be when are they going to vote okay uh, they are declaring the strike over the writers are they're free to work starting midnight wednesday while they they still have to vote to ratify the contract but they'll be able to work during that time uh they'll vote between october 2nd and october 9th i haven't seen anything about the details of this the articles Mm -hmm. that i've read have been like they're basically keeping it close to the chest right now uh that said the writers said whenever they said yeah we're not on strike anymore you guys should go out on strike to help the actors who are still on strike yes uh, so they have not even gotten talks on the horizon yet. So they're hoping that maybe with the writers settling theirs, that the studios will come with something similar for them.
0: Mm, okay. So they're not like, they're not pushing the deal off the table. Like, fuck you. We want to wait for the actors. They're saying like, this could be good for the actors. That's
1: Yeah. That's what I'm currently seeing is that they're saying, we think this is good. We want to ratify and we want to support the actors. So I don't know if that's a good strategy or if they should say, or they should drag their heels and say, yeah, we'll get around to the voting, but you need to come to our friends first.
0: Yeah. I wonder how that will work. Cause I mean, a lot of people do both too. There's that, or they all know each other too. Like they're fucking friends. Yeah. You know, I saw an interesting, a couple of interesting Twitter theories on this. If you want to hear those. Oh yeah. <laughs> One was that the studios purposely pushed Drew Barrymore like as kind of a a, a test balloon. Yeah. Cause she, she started up production again on her show and they're like, no one can turn against Drew Barrymore. And then everyone fucking turned against Drew Barrymore. Oh, and they're yeah. like, Oh shit. Like the, it was like their idea. Like maybe we can get away with this and quietly slide everything back into production once she gets away mm, with it.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if they were try- trying to do that. Maybe. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah. The, so the SAG after a part, that's the, Actors, I think they are still actively out on strike. Presumably the writers guild will go join them on the pickets and everything, but they themselves are able to work, which I mean, I think in some senses is good because it's very expensive and and difficult uh, to be on strike, you know, so, uh, you know, on the one hand, oh, maybe it does free up some for the studios in terms of mainly Uh, from what I'm seeing is like late night and stuff that basically only requires writers and doesn't require many actors at all, because I mean, (laughs) you know, if your actors are still on strike, you're not going to be producing very many things. So I also thought it was interesting here that, that SAG AFTRA voted 98% of their members voted to go on strike against video game companies. um, If Mm. ongoing negotiations there weren't successful. So kind of expanding it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of that too in, in terms of like the VFX artists unionized recently. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so like all the people who work on Marvel films and stuff like that. So like, if you think about just the arts, there is so much crossover. Like, of course that's going to happen. And like, that's fucking awesome. Like, I hope like, you know, people who do soundtracks and music go next because there's a lot of exploitive practices in that too. Like you have... You know, whenever someone say, Oh, this was composed by Hans Zimmerman, No, nah, like Hans Zimmerman's overseeing like fucking fifty people.
1: <laughs> like he, he's
0: not doing all of it. He might do like some of it, but like
1: Or he's like the other big idea. Are doing guy. It for him.
0: Yeah, he might be like, Here's what I kinda want it to sound like, or here's like the main really? theme or something. But like Whoa. yeah, it's it's like almost like a apprentice kind of like workshop setup.
1: Whoa. It's wild. I still had this archaic now I'm seeing it as <laughs> it's archaic. just
0: him and his... <laughs> of, Yeah, of a
1: guy like producing the whole... Yeah, John uh-huh. Williams or something doing the whole... But I mean, he doesn't do that either, right? Maybe. Like he... I don't
0: know about John Williams, but probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mind blown. Yeah. I'm the little emoji. Yeah. Just...
0: <laughs> You're the galaxy brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found the Drew Barrymore other theory was that this was the Writers Guild proving that they could make an example of her to speed things up. Of like, oh, we're going to jump on her ass and like make y'all scared. I mean, I don't even think that's like a theory. No. I think it's just like a, what you do yeah, to scare. You need to do
1: that, <laughs> yeah. They successfully did yeah. that. Um,
0: and I was really impressed. I mean, maybe it's just my neck of the Twitter woods and, and the Inst- Instagram woods. But, I mean... Yeah, everyone was fucking hating. It was great. Yeah. We were passing around the aid.
1: No, and and, and uh, it worked effectively. I mean, people saw a little taste of that right from the beginning when Fran Drescher of Danny Fame, their president, took t- took heat for like doing an event in Paris or something. <gasps> doing Fran
0: Drescher. Well, she's so good though. Usually, yeah. Well,
1: she she came out and said, "Hey, this was a work thing. This wasn't like a party." Because she took a picture with a Kardashian. And she was like, this wasn't a party. Like, we were doing a work thing for, you know, some sponsorship or whatever that she had to do. And it wasn't, like, working for it. So it was, like, technically allowable or whatever. Oh, okay. But she was kind of like, okay, yeah, that wasn't great optics. I'm going to be more careful. You know, and, and like, from the beginning, I think people were feeling the heat of rank and file, you know, membership and, and this union and popular support behind it of actually being like, hey, don't 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 fuck with us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm very impressed just like culturally that we are at that point where like there is such a popular opinion about that.
1: Yeah. Uh so I don't know, expanding it to video games, uh I mean I th- I think that's really overdue. And if this is a just it's gonna be it's just a small corner of the labor that goes into video games is voice acting and, and motion capture and, you know, stunt type things and all that. Okay. That's part of it and everything, but there's a huge other workforce, but if you can get like some sort of, you know, unionization, some sort of concessions, I think that's an industry that really needs it.
0: Uh, absolutely. We've talked about it for, but like there are some really bad practices in that industry in terms of just workload and, even you know obviously sexual harassment scandals have come up but just labor scandals in general in 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 like Blizzard and like all those big companies are pretty fucking bad
1: yeah and i can tell you where it's like those savings and everything are not going they're not going to video game consumers
0: <laughs> no uh, no finding, i'm not going to pay for the fucking pokemon dlc fuck you yeah they're
1: finding new newer <laughs> more varied uh more numerous ways to bilk us at every turn and they're trying to turn everything mm-hmm. into a subscription uh, they're trying to turn everything into a bonus pack. They're trying to turn yes uh, everything into into extra little skins and shit that you can, microtransactions, all this shit.
0: And the base cost is going up, too. It's not like you're getting cheaper games. Yeah, the
1: base cost is going up. The base, like, state of the product upon release is going down.
0: It's way down. Oh the vast majority God, of games is... come out.
1: You really don't want to touch them for, like, the first couple weeks Mm -hmm. till they get you know the initial set of three different patches to come out and fix the game because what they're doing Mm -hmm. is they're offloading a chunk of what used to be beta testing on you (laughs) just saying well that's you you're dealing with it
0: that's for free now (laughs) well it's not for free we're getting paid for it (laughs) yeah
1: some of that's already built in with like early access but the early access period of the game is not even done for most titles nowadays by the time they release it they just release it and Jesus. do a little extended early access for people because they can you know yeah one of the few exceptions i think to this uh, lately has been Baldur's gate which while it does have some bugs still because it's such a massive project i mean
0: yeah i heard it had some it's
1: a pretty finished game mm-hmm. like for its but i mean even then maybe our standards are decreased so much that back in the day we've been like Oh this is kind of buggy you know but.
0: yeah yeah that's interesting and i wonder too like with you know getting some union movement into video games because i, I was watching i didn't finish the video because internet um but, <laughs> but there is a they're talking about the new i want to say star field mm-hmm. game something star but they were showing off the character customization and they're like look how detailed it is it's because we scanned in a whole bunch of people's faces and i'm like okay, <laughs> I hope they were well compensated. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Their
1: faces are used forever.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, it just was like, okay, I hope that's fine with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I don't know the thing with that and compensation and everything is we do have to eventually zoom out and, you know, people can be compensated a lot of money and, and kind of have an internal feeling of this is good. I did this voluntarily, but when we do zoom out using a communist lens of, what does your compensation mean? And like, what does doing something for money Mm -hmm. mean? It means you did it for survival. And so like you did it to not starve. And you know, maybe your line on that is different of like, well, I did it to live a little nicer, not really to not starve still. Like there's compulsion there.
0: Yeah. You feel obligated to follow up on opportunities in this country. And I think too, like when you think about usage rights and things like that, like, Hey, guess what? sector is really bad about exploiting those and using them for pretty much any reason they fucking want to tech so true like even if you're like i got paid to do this thing i hope you got your agent to really look at that contract because ooh, they're gonna do some stuff probably oh yeah it's probably getting fed into fucking watson's human facial feature recognition program so they can read emotions better a real thing
1: yeah or whatever that Massive surveillance system that they're always whining about China having, or Mm -hmm. the one we probably have, too.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Um,
1: Or just one of those. We
0: do have it, for sure. It's just spread out across, like, a hundred different companies and devices.
1: Oh, better. Way more secure. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Totally not hackable. uh, Or maybe they're just feeding it into one of those little, the, mm, what do you call it? Oh. The AI art. Generator, yeah, the Mid Journey. Yeah, Mid Journey, I was like magical or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, feeding it into Windows yeah. or several different versions. Of I those. mean,
0: we're already we're seeing so many consequences of that. Like, did you hear about the the students in Spain? Mm-mm. These poor girls were horrified, rightly so, because uh, fake AI generated nude photos of them were going around their schools.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, like what the fuck are we doing guys like we need to do full stop like fucking shut it down <laughs> this is not okay
1: yeah that's crazy yeah so uh, a little bit of labor corner there of the hollywood <laughs> and strike <a> corner <laughs> yeah the hollywood strike kind of in some ways tapering in some ways evolving into other sectors mm-hmm. uh, another big labor action going on is in the auto industry
0: Really? What's going on there? So
1: the United Auto Workers have been on strike for a little bit now.
0: Oh, that's right. We did talk about that.
1: Yeah, they um, went on strike against the Big Three. Uh, against who do you think are the who do you think are the Big Three?
0: Big Three American Auto. Yeah. Mm, Jeep.
1: Yeah, I think they're involved, but I don't think they're a, t- a titular member. They're like a sub.
0: They're a sub company yeah. of. They're a bottom
1: for another company. Is that how that works? (laughs) Uh,
0: Not necessarily. I bet you could be a subtop. Um (laughs) I don't know enough about that, but uh I don't know, is Chrysler their parent company?
1: No. Let me see. Chrysler may also be involved, though. I don't because I don't remember who these guys are in charge of. Let me see. So Jeep and Chrysler. Okay, yeah. So but they're they're not like independent, you know. Um,
0: who are the big three then?
1: The big three are Ford, Ford, General Ford's Motors, and Stellantis.
0: Okay, so I forgot the General Motors were still around.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're still around. Stellantis includes
0: yeah, who is that? such
1: brands as Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat. Oh, they own Jeep, all them. Yeah, Ram, which is Dodge. Yeah. I don't know why that's separate.
0: No, it's separate. I used to work for a company that did a lot of work for those com- those brands. I just didn't know that's who the parent company was. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I don't know as of when, but it was founded in 2021, so pretty recently. Oh, it's
0: new. Okay. That was before I worked there or after I worked yeah.
1: there. Yeah, okay. They also have like Alfa Romeo and Maserati and mm-hmm. shit like that. Kind of fancy. Yeah. But the regular ones, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> so those are the big three. Uh, so the UAW okay. has been on strike against them. They started, it's an interesting tactic. They started out kind of small so they targeted you know some of these big threes plants you know one or two for each uh, and then they expanded that and i said okay well we're also now going to target um, some of your parts distribution centers so they recently did that this past friday which supply dealerships with parts uh, and dealerships make a lot of money selling cars but they make even more of their money i doing maintenance on people's cars yes uh and so and the way they operate one of the ways they save money and and therefore you know make these profit margins for their companies is by having like just in time inventory so they're always putting in orders to these parts distribution centers to get parts to get to customers to do yeah. their maintenance and so if you hit that parts distribution center with a strike Uh, Now, the the car company's main customer in the United States, thanks to our love affair with middlemen, is not Mm -hmm. regular consumers. It's car dealerships.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Because, I mean, if you think about how often you actually buy a car, it's not that often. Like, it's kind of more rare for them to do that. That's not their everyday transaction.
1: Well, that and who do you buy the car from? It's not from... General Motors, it's not from Ford.
0: Mm -hmm. It's the dealership. Yeah,
1: you have to. Like, a lot of states actually have bans on buying them directly from the dealership. Like, you, I'm not. Really? Directly from the manufacturer. Yeah, you have to buy it through a dealership because of the dealership lobby. Uh, Uh. So, the idea being that, uh, you know, hitting this part of the industry that's actually going to hit consumers and actually going to make them mad at their dealership for not having. The stuff in time is going to get those dealerships. The
0: dealership is going to yell at the parent company. Yeah,
1: hopefully. But then there's another side of it that's like, maybe they won't. Maybe they will, you know. I mean, they are kind of a reactionary force generally in American politics. I mean, you know, car dealerships, you're not thinking of your most progressive forces.
0: I only buy cars from hippies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So there's the idea of maybe they, you know, will just be like, well, sorry, we can't do it because of these fucking unions mm-hmm. you know plus mm-hmm. they also have a vested interest in keeping a good relationship with the parent companies because they're the ones who decide on distribution of of parts and of cars inventory and shit but i thought it was kind of cool this tactic of expanding from a smaller start so typically you think of a strike you're like okay well, we're gonna get everybody out on strike
0: we gonna do it all at once and
1: yeah and then the company will have to cave in at some point and it it leaves you in this state of attrition from day one you're never going to get any it's very bigger very vulnerable right you're you're the only place to go is down as fewer people kind of dropping mm. out as things happen and stuff so you're always going to be gradually losing momentum whereas here if you start out small and then say okay well you're not doing anything fine we're escalating now you actually have this sort of sense of yeah. growth and increased pressure that you really couldn't get the other way
0: I mean, if you think about it, like writer strike kind of is similar in that you know, writers got on board and then the actors got on board. So like, yeah, I think it's a a good idea. Like if you were trying to do something similar in your workplace, to look around and find other areas, like starting off in your immediate area and then trying to add more people.
1: Yeah, and it I think it kind of adds an incentive to mm-hmm. the employer. Uh, when you're not doing it this way, when you do all at once and then say you better, right. Is it can't get any worse for them. They may as well try to hold out because it's going (laughs) to get worse for you and they might can wait Mm -hmm. you out. But there is an incentive here of, Hey, they, you know, they're causing a little bit of damage here. We're losing a little bit of money here. We could lose less money if we go ahead and make a deal.
0: Yeah. And like, if you make a deal with just, you know, let's say our department or whoever, you know, whatever you are losing, Profit-wise from that, you're not losing that much. Let's be real. But, you know, whatever you have to end up paying us or raising our wages or whatever it is, you don't have to do it for the whole company because we haven't taken everyone out on strike yet. Uh,
1: yeah, that part actually, I don't think would actually mm, work because... It wouldn't matter too right, much. Which right, you're, which you're still you're still at the negotiating table for everybody. So even the workers you're not mm, calling okay. out on strike, they're, they're still going to be in the... No,
0: no, no, I don't mean that. I mean, like, let's say, for example... You know, if it were uh, in a school district and the teachers go on strike, maybe they go on strike and, you know, the threat is we're also going to get the janitorial staff on strike. Mm-hmm. And the idea being like, if you come to the table now, you're just going to have to pay for our department's demands. But if you wait until we get the whole school district out here, you're going to have to pay for everybody's demands.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah, I think that works if you have different unions doing it. So in the case of the auto workers, mm. this is all, they're all in it, so the people that they are calling in for the initial strike are still doing that for the contract of people who aren't on strike too. Okay. Right? Cuz okay, they're in the it. same union. But yeah, if you did have different unions then that would that logic I think would play out similar to what we're saying with the with the writers and the and the mm-hmm. actors is those are technically different contracts. They're just hoping that it kind of translates over between them, which hopefully does.
0: I hope so too. I'm not trying to lead people out of out of deals. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> I'm just trying no. to be strategic. <laughs>
1: uh, but apparently GM is hurting for this, so they told salary employees, they sent out a mass text telling salary employees not to show up to work on Monday, presumably to give them some secret instructions, because then they said that you were supposed to show up Tuesday at seven AM. Contact your leader if you have any questions they're thinking that these guys that they're making the salaried employees like the managers and shit staff the part centers that they are on strike against so they're wow they're gonna make these like manager people these jackasses who, don't know, who haven't done anything right they have no idea like <laughs> they were interviewing some workers you're
0: gonna order like a fucking you know steering wheel and you're gonna get an air conditioning <laughs> unit and you're gonna be like thanks i guess <laughs> Don't go get your car fixed for these places for a while. Yeah,
1: I would not recommend it. Um, They were interviewing some people in Jacobin, some workers and stuff that are on strike. And they were just basically talking shit about management and how they're not going to know their ass from a door, a doorknob. Uh, One thing, like you were saying, the parts, you know, they're just going to give random parts and shit like that. Is that so when employees process these, they have a stamp number they have to stamp the parts with basically because... That way, if they process it wrong, they send the wrong shit to the wrong place or it's a bad part or whatever. They can trace it back to who fucked up. But management, yeah. when they come in here, apparently they just put zeros in all, all across. <gasps> so no one knows <laughs> fucking who did what whenever they do it because they're just lazy assholes.
0: Wow. And they don't want to get blamed. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to fuck up. So there
1: are, oh, zeros. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. So there was a 40 day strike in 2019 GM brought in salaried workers from other plants to keep it going and they were doing that and they said it took like six months we were fixing parts uh, because they fucked everything up that they touched
0: (laughs) oh no oh my god yeah I mean everyone imagine your boss having to do your job right now and how bad it would be (laughs) 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 just like you would just be like please don't touch my stuff (laughs) oh yeah
1: that's like a teacher joke of when you know administration wants to criticize various things that you're doing be mm-hmm. like hmm, do you think you could come into my class one of my class periods and <laughs> model this for me and yeah like,
0: yeah maybe show me how that works like, no, no okay no, i haven't been in the classroom <laughs> in
1: 20 years
0: Hmm. oh man
1: but, yeah, it was interesting, too. I was reading this other article in Jacob, and they're really getting into it with this, talking about how the UAW that we're looking at now is way different than the old UAW. That is far more militant. It's far more left. It's far more, like, you know, demanding. Uh, and less Sounds of a great. businessy type of union, which it previously was notorious for.
0: I mean, those are some of my favorite traits.
1: Yeah. militant
0: left, not businessy. So we're not trying to say,
1: yeah, they're not Marxist Leninists or something, but like.
0: Yeah, yeah. But still, they're holding people in line.
1: Yeah. And and apparently this is a big change that really stems um, from their complete embarrassment. Yeah. Back in 2019, they had a big corruption scandal uh, with leadership because they were very corrupt. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. Uh, i give you the long the short long story uh, the short <laughs> version of their long story uh, is that basically the UAW used to be more radical back in like it's, its early heydays you know mid 1930s and stuff like you had literal communists you know various I'm socialist people in there and everything you know a whole thing um, but leadership was able to consolidate power this is Walter Reuther who's like a kind of a grandfather of unionism, uh, like kind of business type and unionism, but still, you know, a labor organizer, well-known, uh, formed what was called the administration caucus where kind of, they were able to consolidate their power, make it to where it was sort of an electoral college for leadership sort of thing of like, you would pick like the administration yeah. caucus, but then they were the ones who picked leadership. Uh, so totally. you had to be okay. in on it. Right. And so from yeah. that point on, they kind of made a deal with, the auto companies uh after World War II, they tried to be like, Hey, we want to say in what cars we're making and shit like that. And that did not work. The compact was like the treaty of Detroit was you let us do the business side of it. And we're going to carve you out some good benefits and shit. You know, we're going to keep you happy, but you don't have a say in this company, you know,
0: that sucks.
1: And so they, you know, they went along with that and gradually that kind of eroded Uh, You did have some radical like subcurrents and stuff, but the real leadership at the top was always mm, just going with it. And they had some progressivism in terms of like racial uh, progressivism and stuff like that, like they weren't that bad, but leadership was still mostly white. Uh, but leadership was still mostly going with what the company wanted. And over time that just kind of slid downhill. And so they, you know, when they started running into trouble in terms of like in 1979, Chrysler was trying to avoid bankruptcy. And so the union was like, you know, basically got, got wrung out and it was just like, yeah, you guys are going to have to make concessions to things that you've worn from us so that we can stay. You know, Fuck. afloat. And so they did that in, in the 80s. They were doing a lot of this too. If, even the 80s were good times, but I mean, they were still like clawing back and they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're doing cooperation with management and shit like this. And it always mm-hmm. ended up Fuck shittier that. for the workers. So you have, you know, discontent and people disillusioned with it and stuff. By the time you get to, you know, the 2000s uh, and, and the early 2010s when the corruption sets in, like most people aren't voting. For leadership and the leadership that there is is completely corrupt this guy that they're interviewing is talking about like how cartoonish it was uh straight out of a union busters playbook the cigars the champagnes the suitcases of cash <laughs> oh,
0: there are union oh, no. leaders getting
1: payoffs in exchange for agreeing to contract concessions
0: fucking tony soprano over here jesus yeah with
1: the no-show jobs over here uh <laughs> so they had
0: suitcases full of
1: Okay. Yeah, they were up to their gills in it. There was it was so bad they had a federal investigation and there were wow. there were people talking about people in the government talking about just taking over the union because they clearly couldn't handle it. Uh but they instead listened to the rank and file who put together basically a petition to say, Hey, can we choose our own like our own leaders? Can we change this? Yeah. Can we do an election? See if we can like change the rules to where and this is kind of arcane shit, but Basically, they said yes to that, and it was not a majority at all of union members, because the majority of union members at that point were disaffected, basically. They were in the union. They Mm -hmm. paid their dues to get their stuff, but that was it. But it was enough uh, of a kind of small reform caucus within it that said, hey, we're going to try to change the rules to make it to where we can directly elect our officers, including the president of the union, and go from there. And yeah. so, and so they did, they were successful at that. And then they were successful at their, in their first, you know, contest in that new system of not getting a majority really, but getting more than anyone else and getting, um, some of their people in leadership and the union president being one of their guys, uh, Sean Fain, I think his name is. It's
0: very like should Fain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fein, yeah, uh, to, to <laughs> electing Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin. um as leader, of. <laughs> pretty cool, pretty cool move. I liked it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but getting this kind of radical leadership in there, and then not tucking their tails because, like, you know, we just said they didn't get a majority, but not like being scared of that and saying, "Oh, we can't do anything too crazy," because we didn't. just saying, "Hey, we're gonna do what we promised to do," right? And yeah, the, the theory being. Sure, most people didn't vote for us because they think our union's shit, but we're going to, like, mm-hmm. do good things. and We're going to sh- follow up. Yeah, for them and for ourselves and show them, like, we're actually good and they should vote for us next time, right? Yeah, and that's fucking cool. Yeah, and what's, you know, come of this, right, is this strike that actually has pretty broad support in the American public that seems like the, you know, energy is on their side. And seems like union rank and file is energized by it, you know? Yeah. You had fucking Commandante Joe Biden out there first <laughs> sitting U.S. president to go out to a picket line on, in support of the strikers.
0: Really? I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that
1: was just today. Uh, I'm telling Tuesday. you,
0: again, like public perception is so different on, on labor action, even from just a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, it's wild. Mm. Uh, it's
0: really wild,
1: and so I don't know. That's one thing I think is super cool about that is that's not that. Yeah, they could have waited a lot longer and taken a lot longer to do this. And really, it's just that the moment struck of like, hey, these dumbasses got caught doing huge corruption. We're not even. We haven't built a majority, but we're gonna do, we're gonna go. You know, someone seized them by the mm-hmm. lapels and said, "Take power, you son of a bitch!" Is they had to try, right? because the moment was a Yeah appalling. and yeah, that's exciting it did so you know it, it yielded positive results
0: yeah that's fucking cool
1: yeah so if you're listening and you're wondering what can you do
0: what can i do to
1: help uh striking auto workers sean fain. yeah sean fain that's super close <laughs> um, isn't that weird <laughs> To help striking auto workers, there is a great article also in the Jacobin. I am just pitching subscriptions this <laughs> week, I guess.
0: Uh, <laughs> you are secretly working for
1: them. Yeah, uh, hit uh, me up, Jacobin, if you want me to write random articles. We'll
0: do an ad for y'all. We won't really do ads, but I'll do an ad for Jacobin.
1: Yeah, um, and you know they're not sure they're not perfect, but like no one is <laughs> eh, close enough. <laughs> they're good. Article by Francis Reed there, How Democratic Socialists Can Stand in Solidarity with the UAW Strike. It's got some good tips for things to do that I didn't think of, like literally on the ground stuff, that you're not in a labor union, you're not with the, the these guys, but you can actually still help them out. Okay, what do we do? So one, not for me, but maybe for more of a party goer, is hosting public <laughs> parties, town halls, and kickoff events to help kind of support uh, kind of a rally type thing for these strikes when they yeah. start. Yeah. Uh, and also not calling them meetings. This was a branding thing, too, of like, no one wants to go to a meeting. Oh, so do a kickoff event. Um,
0: yeah, or do a block party, but like cover fee, it goes to the strike fund.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, know, like
0: bring five bucks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, like in the 30s and stuff, the Almanac singers, they would hold their, their rent their rent parties, their hootenannies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, play fucking Nanny's. cool songs and have a jam and just take up collection. <laughs> if you're in a band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. Uh, that's cool. If you're like in more of a party organization thing, uh, preparing your organizers to actually go, you know, talk to workers on the picket line, you know, kind of what sorts of things do you talk about, bring up and mention with DSA or whoever you're with, you know, whatever org you're, uh, doing this with like kind of plugging in because you don't want to be like an asshole It'd be like hey stupid worker have you figured out how to do socialism <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. You, you know you want to be actually like listening and having
0: a conversation yeah
1: yeah yeah they also talked about uh, making signs doing an art build oh. as an organ, like putting together your picket signs and you know if you know of like leftist uh, screen printers or artists mm-hmm. and things like that you can kind of mutual aid, a little bit of that, you know, Yeah. organizing picket shifts to kind of, you know, get your org out there to the picket when it's going. Uh, Also doing a kind of what I like to refer to as a bootleg sympathy strike. So secondary strikes in the U S are illegal, but
0: they are, that's,
1: if you're a worker, (laughs) if you're just some asshole who wants to, you know, demonstrate anywhere you can demonstrate anywhere. So, Car dealerships that do business with the big three mm. could be targeted by orgs that are completely free to protest wherever they want because they're not striking workers.
0: Oh, okay, okay, I like that.
1: And so it's not necess- it's not a secondary strike because you're it's not a doing strike. a work stoppage. You're just being in the way. No, you're just being an asshole. You're just yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and raising awareness and being you know like hey we're supporting the striking workers you know like that sort of thing.
0: Okay, stupid question. Yeah, how do I find out like if there is a strike thing happening near me?
1: Uh, you'd want to check UAW locals. So okay. wherever your UAW locals are, find out. You know they will be publicizing where they're on strike uh, if they are on strike near you. Right now, they have thirty-eight locations in twenty states. They have one up here, Stellantis in Carrollton,
0: <gasps>
1: and General Motors in Roanoke. That's closer. My there way. we go both of hundred yeah, close
0: to you okay cool
1: uh, there's a smattering of other places they got for Oregon listeners in Beaverton Reno Nevada Ontario California Plymouth Minnesota and Hudson Wisconsin yeah lots of places Morrow Georgia Brandon Mississippi the bet they say let's Brandon let's go was, Brandon there a lot
0: what if Joe Biden went to there yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> to, he should have done that to launch his 2024 re-election thing there
0: that'd be amazing <laughs> I'm over here uh, speaking ravers. of the
1: roman empire we have romulus michigan
0: romulus that's wow good. all right they got those big shoulder pads like in star trek
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's there's a i just googled uh uaw strike locations there was an ap news article oh, perfect and maybe we can send this in the show notes i'll chat it to you because it's got a little map and this was updated at four fifty seven yesterday so I mean, maybe they'll be updating it throughout as, as things expand
0: yeah so check that out check out ways you can help for sure yeah
1: um showing up is another thing they say to do you know show up to yeah. the picket line bring your energy Drive past it honk it yeah
0: i love a honk give a i love a positive up. honk
1: give them a devil horns give them something good uh ask Striking workers and picket leaders what they need, you know, uh, if you have the means of, you know, getting them food or, you know, Mm -hmm. pizza, breakfast, tacos, whatever.
0: Water if it's hot out, for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, Another suggestion was kind of cool. Sign repair. Bring, like, supplies and shit to, like, you know, because after a while their signs are going to get kind of, like, beat up. and Yeah. So, like, you can, like, help do that. Bring, if you have, like, a bullhorn and shit, you can bring, like, audio equipment if they want it. Yeah, so... I thought it was kind of cool. I, I never thought, I basically thought you're kind of left out if you're not in a union. It's cool. And the, the cool union people get to do it, but you're kind of like, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no role for you to play, but there is,
0: there is totally. And I think in like some of the stuff that we've seen, like media wise, if you think about like Harlan County or like salt of the earth, like, yeah, those were still like union wives and things, but like they definitely pitched in with like, you know, food and, and, picketing as well and like all kinds of other actions so yeah
1: it's the community it's mutual aid you want to show people i mean the company should be afraid not of their workers but not just of their workers but like of every like they have they eh, not the titans at the top i mean they're they're as close to faceless monsters as our economy actually has very
0: little they can actually be afraid of yeah they're they're
1: sort of you know we like to say oh yeah there are people they are people too and stuff and to some extent but they are also very siloed off when you get to the very top but oh totally you're still your management types generally like live and exist in your community and they don't really Mm want to be complete assholes you know they don't, don't yeah, want to be like they don't pariahs be
0: hated <laughs> yeah like you see when the girls are like fuck you bill
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: fucking collaborator <laughs> yeah or
1: what was it in um the talking union blues and um the almanac singers it's like slave driver mm. betty beats his wife
0: <laughs> <You know>? mm. <laughs> oh shit just start rumors about it yeah.
1: <laughs> uh this podcast is not condoned libel or slander
0: mm. i guess
1: unless it's funny <laughs> But yeah, uh, you got to support the striking auto workers, however you can. I mean, even Brandon's doing it. So it's really on us communists <laughs> to step you're up. You're
0: really behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not doing we're it. are
1: being outflanked by Biden on the left uh, here. So that's,
0: that is unusual. We're not.
1: I mean, we are totally in solidarity. But like, I just, you know, when you be out there, <laughs> people be like, damn, the communists are in it too. Although maybe that might hurt them because people don't like us.
0: That's true. We're, we're pretty controversial.
1: A <laughs> uh, couple of other uh, side corners of... We have a full like labor room this episode. We don't just have a yeah, corner. Yeah,
0: no, it's not a corner. It's, it's the star.
1: Yeah, so we've got um, on the Hollywood. Stage. We've got the auto workers. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have teachers in San Francisco, two unions uh, whose members work with San Francisco United unified school district will soon be voting whether to walk off the job in the coming weeks over stalled contract negotiations Uh, one represents more than six thousand teachers the other represents school staffing including custodians school nurses and lunch workers
0: good good good
1: so yeah low pay large classroom sizes payroll issues that date back nearly two years that's probably getting paid less or incorrectly or not often enough this happens all the time yep so yeah they are soon to be voting on that. I'm not sure when the vote precisely is going to be. They're set for a strike authorization vote next. Uh, so Saturday, the Saturday after we release and Tuesday, the Tuesday after we release, that's when they're going to hold their strike authorization vote. So we'll see where that goes. And if negotiations hasten and not just in light, I think of the teachers being willing to go on strike, but I mean, we've been kind of talking about it with the ongoing strike current here. Yeah. They may want to see this done sooner rather than later.
0: Hot Strike Summer is about to turn into fun strike fall. I don't know. Pumpkin
1: Spice ball. Strike Fall. Strike <laughs> Fall. Ah, I fucked it up.
0: <laughs> Pumpkin Strike Fall. How about yeah. that?
1: It's a new the new PSL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you got teachers and you also have uh, healthcare workers. 75,000... Uh, workers for Kaiser Permanente are voting to, they're saying they're going to go on strike next week. If they don't get a deal, they're going to stage a three day strike. If that happens, they have voted on the strike authorization already. So yeah, they're kind of gearing up in case, let's see, they are just looking for a new contract. I mean, their, their contract is up. They need better pay. Uh, They need better commitments on staffing levels. That's something we saw in the railroad strike, too, with staffing levels being a big deal. Yeah. They're always trying to ring us out for more labor without paying us anymore. Uh, So you have that. And then to round out our labor room, uh, we have uh, hospitality workers in Las Vegas.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I heard about this.
1: Yeah. The Culinary Workers Union, uh, they haven't gone on strike in more than three decades, uh, but they are, they're voting today. They voted today, rather, uh, on a strike authorization. We don't technically know the results, but usually these go in favor of strike authorization. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we got to that point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Exciting.
1: So yeah, their demands are pay raises, though they don't negotiate in public. So they're not really telling people but the, how much they want in pay raises. Uh, but they're asking for the largest wage increases ever negotiated in the union's history.
0: I mean, if you haven't been on strike in 30 years, so yeah, I hope so. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Higher wages, better conditions, job security. They are the largest labor union in Nevada. Or Nevada, I think. If you're in Nevada, you say it Nevada.
0: Do you say it in Nevada? Oh, I okay. think so.
1: Uh, representing about 60,000 hospitality workers.
0: I mean, you think about it, that's what that town fucking is. Yeah. Like, that's everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... So that's another big one as well. Very cool. Yeah. The workers are out there. The workers are mobilizing.
0: They're getting shit done. Way to go.
1: Yeah. If only Impressive. we teachers could do that here in Texas.
0: <laughs> It'd be cool. Uh, but illegal, right?
1: <laughs> it's illegal, but the only illegal strike <laughs> is a broken strike.
0: Very true. It's illegal till it's not. <laughs> yep.
1: What do you got? I've been driving. I
0: have a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like it. I mean, yeah, I I'm, I'm chilling in the passenger seat, <laughs>
1: dude. I was I just wanted to look up like how the how the I think the Hollywood strike initially was. What I was thinking of, and then I was like, oh yeah, yeah. The, the auto workers, and then I found all this other shit too. I was <laughs> like, okay, cool, so cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I have been thinking a lot about academia Ooh. and my distaste for it and i want to talk about it i I want to feel my feelings
1: all right uh why are you anti-intellectual i mean that's the thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to be that but okay so i have been reading a book that i'm going to do a book report on i've been talking about a lot you know surveillance capitalism Mm -hmm. and there's some good stuff in it for sure but i did not enjoy reading this book Mm -hmm. (laughs) it took me a long time and I guess I get frustrated with really heavily academic writing. Uh, I find it obviously inaccessible. Yeah. But to the point where I'm, like, extremely frustrated by it and extremely just, like, annoyed and insulted. And, like, I feel like I'm my time is being wasted, I guess.
1: What aspects of academic writing are you referring to?
0: So, I mean, maybe maybe this is just this one book. Or maybe I haven't read enough academic writing to know. But, like... I find overly complex language to be really unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I hate when uh, authors repeat their point like three different ways in the same paragraph, and you're just like, you could have just picked your favorite, man. Like you need an editor. And yeah, <laughs> and, yeah I, I struggle I struggle with that, I guess. I struggle with the density of this kind of work. I don't mind like I understand. Like, yeah, you got to have sources. You got to be able to back shit up. I love that stuff. Like, yeah, tell me who said this quote, whatever. Yeah, That's fine. But I think I struggle with the sheer bulk of a lot of this stuff. Like, I I just, and I, maybe this is why, like, I read the kinds of history books that I read because they are made for a more, like, accessible kind of audience. They're like, yeah, this is pop history. It's fun. I'm going to tell you cool stories about forks. And so when I try to dive into something that's, that's meatier, I struggle and I I really appreciate when authors don't do that approach. Like open veins, I thought was very easy to read. I thought um, people's history is pretty easy to read despite being very big. Mm -hmm. But And so I get really frustrated when I do have to read like something that is (laughs) just too fucking hard and makes me feel like an idiot and are so weighed down with jargon that it takes me like, a long time to decipher the sentence like i get what it means but i'm like i shouldn't have to sit here doing that
1: <laughs> yeah uh the key i th- well uh, who writes surveillance capitalism what's her
0: uh shoshana zuboff okay
1: no writing background education wise
0: <laughs> okay
1: you know this may be a, a strongly written book in terms of facts i haven't read it but the way you're portraying it, it sounds like it's not doesn't come across in a personable where. I get it. So historians, if you're reading like heart, like real thick history books mm-hmm. that it's, it's like for a class and it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is the book on this topic, but it's like kind of, you know, one of a few it's, it's kind of an arcane subject, whatever. The more field you get, the fo- the less pop history you get, the more you're going to get books written by, historians with no so you mentioned people's history now it's in sort of an exception i think uh and 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 the historians that i find that i really like to read their stuff are this are strangely good at telling a story versus just diving in and giving example after example which exhaustively will prove your point and makes for good thesis work because you're just repeating evidence for the claim that you're making (laughs) which is good to prove a point but it's not like fun to read uh so that's where i think a lot of the uh, the academia falls short
0: yeah yeah like i i hate feeling like i'm reading a thesis Mm -hmm. and i understand you have to have a thesis like that's the point of a fucking book my has a book has a thesis and it's fucking you know a graphic novel but it still has a thesis yeah but like I don't like being reminded of it ev- at the end of every chapter. I think that's like, come on, trust your audience. Trust that we understand how this connects to the main theme. Yeah. I I don't like having it pounded in over and over again. I'm just like, come on. Like, I get it. <laughs> I read the back of the book. I read the introduction. I know what this book is about. Right.
1: Yeah. You start to <laughs> skip those like reiterations of the point. You just kind of like, whoop. I got it. It got I'm
0: faster like... as I went because I started learning what to skip.
1: Yeah. And that's. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I get the reason for it. I can see doing it to some extent at the ends of like chapters and stuff, kind of like summarizing mm-hmm. things like that. But I very much prefer things to unfold with more of a narrative sense, more of like a, a, I, I love a good explanation at the intro. Don't get me wrong. I do that. But then. hmm get me into let it happen yeah then then build right and then start saying okay here's the thing and we're gonna plant this here and then we're gonna keep telling the story and then eh, you know that thing evolved into this and then you know let it roll like that
0: yeah and i don't know this book just made me feel like i'm obviously gonna give a full review in a few weeks when we do the episode on it so i don't want to give away everything but so i'm trying to stick to like general academia makes me feel it it makes me feel unnecessarily dumb. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me feel like, wow, it took you a long time to to figure out what that sentence means. Mm. Like every now and then in this book, I would read a sentence out loud to Kyle and be like, now what the fuck is that supposed to be? <laughs> and, and I I struggle with it because I'm I'm not trying to be like anti-intellectual. Obviously, I think education is important. Obviously, like that's cool, but I think. I don't know. Maybe maybe there should be a division between like, okay, this is an academic paper and this is for the public. Like, you need to have a really good editor who's able to sit down and and translate that for people, because I think that's a different skill than than being really esoteric within your own crowd. Like, I don't know. Like, why not I get together with my designer friends? Yeah, we'll fucking talk about shit that people are like, what the fuck are you saying? Yeah. Because we have a specific vocabulary. But I, as a designer, need to know how to go to a client and explain it to them in client terms that they're gonna understand
1: for sure there's that that is a different skill of teaching or being able to communicate versus necessarily like knowing the right so your high school physics teachers are good at presumably good at like communicating physics Hopefully. but they're maybe not their strengths might not lie in you know particle physics or like really mm-hmm. kind of the higher end
0: applied or academic and all that shit yeah
1: theoretical stuff right i mm. mean you know they might independently like that of. but the reason they're good is their skill at communicating maybe, you know, not the higher level concepts necessarily, but things people need to know in ways that they can understand it.
0: Yeah. And maybe it it is just like it's tricky because you don't want to sequester academia into its own little world of like you guys just go talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like it's important that we get their work, but I think it needs to like there needs to be more collaboration with people who are good communicators who can sit down and be like, okay, I know how to pitch this. I know how to market this. Yeah. I know how to translate this.
1: So I think you're saying this is a book. This book should have a tier in between it and the pe and regular people of, it needs to have a simple version for people.
0: I think <laughs> so. I mean, it, it was, uh, it's like with footnotes and everything, like a thousand pages long. <laughs> yeah. It was like 745 actual pages and it was a slog, man, and I got some really good stuff out it for sure. But like, even as I'm going back and making notes on it, I'm like, I can skip a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that say, you know? And like, I don't know. I just it made me uncomfortable, I guess, because I I felt bad of like, am I being anti-intellectual right now? But I just I really. I I was trying to talk to Kyle about it. I'm like, I think part of it is because I'm a cartoonist and like, that's one of the most accessible art forms. And it's like, I believe in telling a story as quickly as you can without, with as few words as possible,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) you know, like I am always cutting words in a script. I'm just like, fuck that. You don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I, I really value when people can be
1: concise. That makes sense. Well, it brings to mind the example of uh, a book I've dabbled in and I do want to finish at some point. But like it's it's complex in a niche sort of understanding of the economy and global systems, uh, global systems oh, theory, uh, which is like its own like academic discipline and stuff is Giovanni yeah. uh The Long 20th Century. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked about it on the show a little bit before, and this is like a long distance project, but it has some similar things of like uh, I understand basically that it is an academic book in Sometimes these have kind of the condescending blurb of like this is you know written well enough to be accessible by the general public, sort of thing. <laughs> I like.
0: Oh, thanks, It's for me. <laughs> I'm like,
1: man, I am the general public. This is still hard, but uh, <laughs> you
0: know, I struggled. But
1: I'm trying. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, I like those types of books because they're out. You know, they're they're there for you to to try if you want. Yes. But I, you know. I think there could be a well-done pop version of that that could distill that into, you know, for dummies sort of thing or like just for regular people, you know?
0: Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like if anything, it's like you're getting your information to more people. That should be exciting. And, and just being okay that those are two separate experiences. Like, yeah, you can go to the fucking opera and listen to the whole thing, or you can go on Spotify and listen to one track. Like that's, that's fine. You're still enjoying it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I guess uh I feel very strongly about like accessibility and education for the public, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and just having things just available to learn about. And I think there are so many subjects that like once you reach a certain point take off in a certain way that make it really hard to be accessible. Like physics, I think is a great example. Like I would not know where to start yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to start reading about physics except for like Wikipedia. I think maybe theory is a tripping point. Mm. Uh, one thing about this book, the way it's formatted is like, she ends up making up a lot of terms and like saying, I call this, you know, X, Y, Z. And then she uses that term later. And so halfway through the book, you're like, now I have to decipher what the sentence means because she's taught me like 20 new vocab words. Mm,
1: yeah. <laughs> and so,
0: and it's, and I get, I understand like why she made those decisions in this book because it's about technology. You can't just like only use examples because those examples are going to be out of date in like six months. mm mm-hmm. So you have to be able to like synthesize it into a theory that is broad enough to capture that. Right.
1: To give it a term that outlasts the now.
0: Yes. And she also kind of buttresses it with some philosophical work, which was also kind of tough for me to decipher. But again, I understand like you have to do that if you're talking about something as fast moving as tech. But I, I struggle though with like kind of, I guess, maintaining a large vocab of terms not because they're like difficult words, but even things like means of production, like things like that bother me where I have to take an extra second and be like, "Oh, what is that again? Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> things to get outside of just the common definition.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I know big words. <laughs> it's, it's more that I, I, I've struggled with this with the show too, of like, oh my God, like I need a translator sometimes.
1: Yeah. And so one of the reasons you definitely feel that way about things like means of production, Modes mm-hmm. of production, forces yeah. of production, or productive forces. Is that it's German? It's literally translated. So uh, yes. the reason you have so many somethings of production is because in German you would just have something, something productive. Something
0: productive yeah, or you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's all one word because everything's one word in Germany, you know, uh, in the German language rather. So uh,
0: let's edit the Communist Manifesto into a comic. We'll collab on it. <laughs> and we'll make it for dummies and it's gonna be great <laughs>
1: we should do a little like a later thing though because i think marx gets better at synthesizing his stuff later so mm-hmm. Communist manifesto you can almost look as like early marx's like first first shot you know it's his sleeper then, hit yeah well, not a then, sleeper
0: hit i guess but you know
1: it's his debut it's his album.
0: debut album yeah
1: and then he kind of goes back later and is like what because you know i mean shit's happening in in his Mm -hmm. like lifetime and he's looking at responding to it you know and paris commune kicks off and all this shit and he's like well okay you know civil war all this different stuff happens and he's like well okay uh it turns (laughs) out history is a little different than i thought you know
0: what's his yeah what's his good one then what do you think
1: well he has i say what do i think but how (laughs) how well read am i in them versus just talking about them or reading wikipedia about them um (laughs) a couple that come to mind though is this critique of the gotha program uh where the social democratic party is kind of talking about doing some kind of halfway sort of like let's settle for this and he's like you dumb fucks like we're the communists like we're not supposed to do that this is weak Mm -hmm. you're focusing on parliamentary bullshit what are you doing you know you guys Um, wear
0: way too much black too many piercings (laughs) come on
1: (laughs) Two goth, uh, and the other one is uh Grundice or something like this uh it's just called Grundisa or something i don't know how to pronounce this foundations okay. of the critique of political economy and of course you could also read like capital because he like dies writing that so it obviously <laughs> contains late his shit. later thoughts uh, <laughs> and he uh, he uh, what i've heard is that he gets into very interesting conversations in that of like discussions in that about like the nature of money and different social contradictions and stuff like this Interesting. Of, that sound cool, but
0: I guess so. Then you have to read that. That yeah. Sucks. So
1: <laughs> well, one thing I guess I would advise our younger listeners that are looking for direction and stuff into what you're going to do is that if you like the kinds of things we do, in terms of diving into sometimes arcane things, and Kind of trans I mean we kind of do some of this work kind we of translating do I would
0: say this is very much the point this is the thesis of our show
1: <laughs> yeah of like trying to build right out of so last you know last week we were doing the red scare second Red scare yeah, and that what what you got was a synthesis of a bunch of different you know articles uh, and stuff to, to, to tie that together a couple of different sources and make it coherent and less make a story. Yeah. Tell a story from a bunch of primary sources cited from all these different places. Right. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here is, is taking these works that people have done that are you, that you can, you can just find this out yourself, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We're not really in the archives anywhere digging through lost manuscripts. (laughs) Uh, The thing is we're trying to make it make sense just on first receiving you know we don't want to make you have to do any other work yes i don't know if you kind of like that that and think hey that would be it would be kind of cool to try my hand at that that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of putting people in between these academic works and regular (laughs) folks and saying make this make sense yeah it doesn't have to be in a book it could be like you said in in a graphic novel me in Mm -hmm. uh, documentaries or you know youtube videos or whatever
0: I think documentaries do a pretty good job of this because they are limited by the nature of the medium of like, all right, this is expensive to fucking make. I need everybody to fucking watch this thing. I need Amazon to buy it or whoever to buy it. So I feel like they are forced and they have usually time constraints of like, okay, like this gotta be two hours. We're gonna fucking get it in here. Like, yeah, I think they do a pretty good job. Like you hear, like, I think documentaries do a good job, but podcasts kind of, sometimes they can get really in the weeds if they decide to. We
1: never
0: do this. But, yeah, I I think there are mediums that lend themselves to that. And I I have actually seen, uh, I think it was, I want to say it was the Communist Manifesto. I have seen a a graphic novel version of that when I was in that communist bookstore in uh, Minneapolis. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to take a crack at it, honestly.
1: (laughs) I would love to see the page of uh, Uh, everything solid melts into air.
0: Ooh, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, like the the ragged trousers philanthropist that was a good graph novel
1: yeah and i felt that that struck such a good balance of because you were saying how it's all about cutting and i felt like that was really judicious in it's cutting where cutting happened because there were parts where they really elaborated like really but it never like yes. dragged you know
0: yeah yeah i i would agree because I, having like we kind of did weird roles for that. Like I read the the book for it and you read the graphic novel and there were parts of it where I'm like, yeah, you really didn't miss much. Like there were some repetitive parts that they cut out and I think they, they did a good job of editing.
1: So, okay. yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, translate things like that. I will say document, you were saying documentaries do a really good job of, I think that they're, like you said, they're constrained in terms of the length. I think that that also serves a function that we, Kind of find here of like trying to get under two hours, right? Yes. Apologies if you hear a cat fight in the background. Okay, (laughs) I didn't hear
0: it. Oh, danjin I assume. Probably. He is a philanderer.
1: (laughs) Is that this sometimes drives you know not just like let's let me be concise with the story, but maybe let me tell a little bit different story. Like let me narrow the focus. Yes, that happens a lot. A lot of times, documentaries have to be like you know. I'm not going to do a documentary on the Russian revolution. We're only going to focus on this guy. Right. Or whatever mm-hmm. is we, we have to do the same thing of I'll take a topic and be like, okay, so we're not talking That's about all of this and <laughs> talk about this one thing, or we're going to do it in parts or something because it cannot be done. You know?
0: I, I like that. We're able to admit that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's hard. Like you get excited about a topic. You want to like spill it out all at once, but like, I think it is really important to edit. I'm, I don't know. I can't wait to approach my agent with, Hey, can I make a communist book? Max? Like they're going to drop me fast. Huh?
1: <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> you should do like a, some sort of story about a character who is a communist. Mm. And that way it can be from them. And it's not you like, you know, and so
0: like, what do you mean? Like, like a fictional character? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, they, they happen oh, to be okay. communist. They're like in a communist group or something. And, and that way, it's all like on them. And they started book club, and they started eating raw meat and getting buff. It's okay. So this is about Lenin, uh, all right? Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's Leninka. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I honestly, I think I could hide behind it if it was more historical. If I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to illustrate a biography oh. of Alexander Kolontai, like. I just think she's cool and like feminist. It's fine.
1: <laughs> My mind went the opposite direction. That's a very good direction. I mean, like that's probably better. My mind went the that's opposite direction how you of get like under. do sci-fi and just make it like mm. the dispossessed, you know? And
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fucking Becky chambers, I think has a lot of communist themes in her stuff and yeah, it's extremely accessible. It's also very cute and fun.
1: Yeah. So either way.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, you got to make it either so fictional. It's like, You can toss out a lot of the fears.
1: Yeah. Look at this strange planet that does Mm -hmm. communism. But then it's actually like the twist is it's good.
0: (laughs) It's cool. Actually. We like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like all of my societies in our space game end up either like chill ass communists or Mm -hmm. evil ass capitalists. (laughs)
0: That really is the only two kinds.
1: There's a little bit of a spectrum in between, but mostly (laughs) that's what they're doing.
0: That's most of who we have met in the campaign is, I want to kill this guy immediately, or I want to live here. (laughs) Uh, It's good. Okay, listeners, we just had to spend like 10 minutes with Zoom (laughs) issues. I guess Dave and Dan started beaming their waves at us.
1: Yeah. Uh, What did we end up calling their thing? Because it was... Not the Havana, but it was what we were talking about at that time. The uh, Managua, because we're talking about Nicaragua.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, they hit us, man. They hit us hard today.
1: It was rough. So now you sound like you're in a telephone booth. It's fine. I I can hear you.
0: You do too. Yeah, you sound like shit.
1: Okay. uh, (laughs) Here's a negative review. A two-star review for Google Meets does get two stars. We are talking. It works.
0: but it sounds Uh, like we're calling from inside of a small tin can.
1: Yeah. We're like on the radio. (laughs) Yeah. I'm calling from inside a tunnel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the audio quality for y'all will still be good, but for, for our ears, it's a little, a little more rustic. Anyway, now that we're back.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There were a couple of interesting headlines about schools. That I thought were uh, weird. Uh, okay. <laughs> but they involve communism. Mm. So apparently, to hear the American capitalists tell it, uh, the kids are not all right in the US because they're being indoctrinated by schools with ties to the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> 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 but very untrue
1: governor ron down there in florida
0: fucking ron we need to get ron like a hobby or something like my god this guy has too much time on his hands i mean i
1: hear he's into dieting or like opposed to sugar mm. uh, oh really
0: you don't want to be opposing sugar in Florida. That's probably not good.
1: He's very finicky about that, apparently. He's like, you know, man, yeah, that's uh, sugar. Like, he was doing that, like, in at the Iowa fair or something, like, you know, <gasps> where you cannot be, like, yeah, eater, you know, but he's just like, oh, what are you eating there? Is that, like, just plain sugar, you know?
0: <laughs> oh, that's so weird.
1: Like, he's correct. That's unhealthy, but what are you doing?
0: <laughs> We're here at the fair. We're here to get fucked up on butter.
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, Governor Ron um, DeSantis announced Friday that he was suspending uh, funding uh, for uh, four different private schools in Florida. They were not eligible for state school choice scholarships, which I don't know what that means. That probably means like they pay families to send their kids to there. It's kind of like school vouchers. That's what it sounds like. Yeah,
0: that's what it sounds like.
1: So I guess in that sense, it's kind of good that they don't get school vouchers, but
0: what were their communist crimes?
1: Uh, their communist crimes were having direct ties to the Chinese communist party, which is called the communist party of China. But one of the right wing things to do is to explicitly say Chinese communist party, because this says, Oh, it's not of China. They're just sort of, they're from China, but they're not, but it's kind of, it's so nitpicky because it's like, we know. Right. Like, if they were the Communist Party of China, wouldn't they still be bad, in your opinion? Like, they're, they're still <laughs> communists. I don't know. Uh, anyway, they determined that these various schools, which sound super communist, so you've got lower and upper Sagemont Preparatory Schools.
0: Super communist.
1: Yeah. Park House Academy. Okay. Uh, Winter Park and Park okay. Maitland School all of these parks. have direct ties to the ccp and their connections constitute an imminent threat to the health, safety and welfare of these school students and the public
0: okay well, what are these direct ties is like like there there's one teacher who is chinese or what
1: <laughs> that does sound like a like what they would do in florida
0: uh-huh
1: what is their big offense these obviously communist controlled schools in florida Uh, they are part of a multi-brand education network called spring education group which does sound nefarious let's be honest a multi-brand education group Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it is controlled by primavera holdings limited an investment firm also nefarious
0: yeah those are bad things i don't like those things
1: (laughs) it's principally based in hong kong with operations in china singapore and the united states and it is itself owned by Chinese people residing in Hong Kong. This is the big
0: connection. <laughs> can't have it on regular people.
1: Uh, which, I mean, it's owned by business people, so it's probably bad for that reason rather than being bad for being Chinese communists.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck. Like, I'm sure their test scores are better than ours. I think I would let them do it. <laughs>
1: yeah uh de said the chinese communist party is not welcome in the state of florida we will not put oh, up really? with any attempt to influence students with a communist ideology or allow floridian can you imagine them like they're just like they stand up and instead of the pledges they do like the top five quotes from chairman <laughs> the
0: Mao. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they recite combat oh. liberalism instead of the pledge
0: yes yes imagine oh my god that's so weird.
1: The teachers there admonish the students. They're like, Aiden, are you trying to just do the minimum? You know, you're just trying to slide by, get by, you not really do your part. You know, that that too is a form of liberalism.
0: <laughs> I think it's time for some self-criticism.
1: Yeah. All right. So I'll well, get in a
0: circle and talk about how we can do better.
1: <laughs> let's talk about the ways that Aiden has come up short this <laughs> this week. Aiden, uh, you start. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Incredible. This is going on your permanent uh, record. Yes.
1: Yeah, so apparently they give uh they expanded their school choice program in March. They give eighty five hundred dollar vouchers, which will be eventually available to all K through twelve students. Uh and that's what they're limiting. They're saying you can't use those vouchers at these fucking commie schools. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's
0: so weird. It's Don't send
1: your kids to these schools on the mistaken notion that they're communists because I don't think they are. They I sound like they're run by business that. people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're we're definitely not endorsing these guys.
0: <laughs> That's insane.
1: But this is not just in Fl- so Florida, pretty ridiculous state. Let's yeah, I mean I think everyone can agree. Not
0: not through the fault of its people.
1: <laughs> no, although it's through the fault of some of their people.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Some people are captives there, and some people are doing the holding captive. But this is also spread around the country, and the one of the instances that I that brought this to my attention uh, was in Oklahoma, in Tulsa. So in Oklahoma, the state superintendent, so I guess the guy in charge of Oklahoma public schools, a guy named Ryan Walters, spoke to a subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives on Tuesday alleging that the Chinese communist party had attempted to influence learning in Tulsa public schools.
0: I mean, hotbed of activity previously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma known, (laughs) you know, red center beating heart of America of American communism. And, uh, he was like, yeah, there's a disturbing connection there to the Chinese communist party which he alleged whitewashes China's history, indoctrinates American students, and threatens U.S. national security.
0: <laughs> national security? What the fuck?
1: Yeah. What is this so, kid going to do? <laughs> well, apparently they're you know sending spies in with dead drops of the nuclear codes to Tulsa, mm-hmm. Oklahoma public school students.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a very high clearance area. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so... Here's the great part of this. Walters and other speakers at the hearing claim that it's that the a nonprofit called the Chinese International Education Foundation, not part of the government of China, had a K through twelve language and cultural program called Confucius Classrooms, which it says are part of the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda arm. A oh language program that just teaches people Mandarin and stuff
0: (laughs) but they only teach him communist words
1: yeah (laughs) worker the word for banker is lousy dog or something yeah right uh there is a a link on another story that was talking about a a new report says that Tulsa public schools is one of a relatively small number of public schools nationally that maintain reliance on Confucius Institute program that's that language thing right yeah the report is called Little Red Classrooms (laughs) Which I want to be in. Oh, I want to teach yes. in a Little Red right Classroom.
0: Yes, please.
1: It's a report by a probably, you know, reputable group called Parents Defending Education. Everyone knows probably. parents do a great job of that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: That's why we have Moms for Liberty and those types of mm-hmm. groups is that they're very good.
0: Those great groups that protest books they haven't read.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're here for it. Uh, Parents Defending Education puts together this report called Little Red Classroom. So I pulled this report up because it sounds hilarious. And they kind of do a McCarthy thing here. Mm. They say, you know, I here have a list of 143 schools across 34 states in Washington, D.C. since 2009 that have been affiliated with Confucius Institutes.
0: Mm. Card
1: carrying members of the Communist Party. (laughs) However, they kind of have to whittle that down because, you know, we're in an era of fact-checking losers. And they say, well, at least seven of them are still active.
0: That's not that many.
1: Yeah, but but hey, seven is seven too many. (laughs) What is it? uh, What's-his-face says? He's not Optimus Prime, but he's like, in in Fallout? What's that guy's name? The big fucking robot? Uh, Uh... Liberty Prime.
0: That's it.
1: Liberty Prime quotes, Death is a preferable alternative to communism. (laughs) Or communism is the very definition of failure. Seven American schools is far too many. (laughs) Clearly. What did they used to say? Better dead than red. Yeah. Which America with a school shooting culture is... I was going to say, and leans into it. We're okay
0: with that for school children.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, some interesting schools that are still, you know, kowtowing to Beijing here. They put together this report. That's quite hilarious. So Tulsa public schools is also is on there. You know, you have Seattle public schools, some school district in Oregon, a couple in Minnesota, one in Kentucky, Cloverport, Mm. And one in Texas, one in the DFW area.
0: Oh my god. Highland Park
1: apparently Hotbed of Communism Highland Park.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. Listeners, if you don't know DFW, Highland Park is where the richest fuckers live.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's an enclave thoroughly within the confines of Dallas ISD. That just Mm -hmm. isn't part of it. So they can do their own little white school district.
0: Absolutely is what it is. Oh my God.
1: Like anyone DFW knows that is just a, it's just a white. It's a different town. (laughs) Yeah. It's like an exclave. It's like the Vatican in Rome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Highland fucking park. That's where like, who's, who's the big people that live there?
1: I mean, that's, I mean, you go down there and you start the, the, the cars change. Like,
0: yeah, and oh no. It, it is like what am I everything doing? Everything
1: around right? you, you're just like, oh, these are these are people shopping for people. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not here for themselves.
0: Uh we've got Army Hammer. We've got wow. Jerry Jones.
1: <laughs> so uh one of my favorite things about the report is their copious use of quotation marks like scare Hell quotes. Yeah. Oh good. They're uh, they're all basically innocuous statements that they're making, but they do put quotations around it to make <laughs> it seem like maybe they're not telling the truth. Uh-huh. Carver Middle School and Tulsa Public Schools became a Confucius school through handband the subdivision of the Chinese Ministry of Education, that until blah, 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 they say, uh, the district's high school world languages page noticed that its Chinese program featured, quote, three native speaker Chinese teachers Sponsored by Hanban, a part of the China Ministry of Education. That's not a like nefarious thing at all, but they put it no. in like the quotes to be like, mm. Mm. Uh,
0: they're native from China. Ooh. Yeah,
1: they also do it to like raise doubt about things too. Here's in Highland Park, they were breaking down like the grants. They said 2018, they received a ten thousand dollar grant from the Confucius Institute. The gift in quotes, <laughs> was to be used, quote, in support of Highland Park's high school's Confucius Classroom 2018 annual operation funds. That's because that's what it was used for. That's like, what it was. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they also gave the district middle school a $20,000 grant for, quote, the operation and supplies of the Chinese courses.
0: Oh, my God. Also, the idea of anything in Highland Park needing a gift <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is insane.
1: Um, The funds were also used by a district staff member to, quote, travel to China for educational purposes. Oh, my God. Like they were doing dead drops there or something.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Definitely a spy teacher.
1: There's another uh, instance of them doing the gift quotation, a (laughs) $20,000 gift. That's like you were talking about, like, mafiosos giving you a a, a gift. (laughs)
0: It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on to this for me, will you? <laughs> Somebody
1: donated the kneecaps for that, Audie.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: So, uh... Highland Park. If you thought, you know, the second Red Scare, that was just for last week. It's still this around.
0: Gonna...
1: <laughs> still happening. Not
0: just last week's episode. Still relevant. Yeah.
1: So, if you know, yeah. If you're ever looking around, you know, kind of wondering, why is everyone so fucking down on communism? give last week's episode a listen. It's a it's a good yeah. one and kind of gives you the roots even down to like the health scare, you know, uh vaccinations and all that shit, mm-hmm. fluoridation and all that all that weird because we look at the Republican party today and the QAnon types and they seem to be groundlessly weird, like they seem to be weird out of nowhere. But I don't know. I think that helps kind of draw the roots, you know.
0: I yeah, I agree. It helps kind of make it more make more sense a little. Not that it makes sense in reality, but like, oh, you're you're recycling this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's still least... a
0: ridiculous notion, but okay.
1: <laughs> it's I can at least is. see
0: where you got it from.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. At least it has precedent of some sort.
0: Oh man, that made me wheezy. That Highland Park shit.
1: Highland Park. She's fucking oh. the commune of highland park <laughs> people's republic oh, of highland funny. park
0: those kids are gonna go have to murder their parents that's what they're gonna learn like fuck
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> the
0: parents are all evil <laughs> i
1: am gonna send you the link because the banner art on it oh, is oh yeah oh yeah fantastic uh let's see here's the chat thing <laughs>
0: oh my god what <laughs> the typeface is like crumbling i guess or like being
1: yeah i don't know it's really
0: badly done and then there's this like bloody red background like it's very smeared and then the fucking hammer and sickle in the back
1: and for the sea so good
0: see the sea is the sickle oh my god i think this has to be our fucking social media post it's so fucking funny right i gotta screenshot this thing
1: little red classrooms Again, we aspire to teach them. We, you know, communism does want to bring this about without the scare quotes, without the school voucher threats, without, you know, dumbass Ron DeSantis doing his thing.
0: I'd make it a little less bloody looking, too.
1: It's not the best look. (laughs)
0: It's very horror.
1: So just watch out, you know, you may be in a little red classroom or if you're an older listener your children may be in your child never
0: know your child's gonna come home and ask what whose side are you on (laughs) you better have the right answer (laughs) yeah oh that's funny i
1: don't know i don't think i'm doing much to impart communist or socialist values to my students this year i don't know i don't feel it you know i do not feeling it yeah i mean
0: you got a lot on your plate
1: do a little bit like i said you know on the show before you know i did the like
0: ask questions
1: i had the deb speech that was kind of good mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah but it's just if hard somebody to do like that and then did a google of it they'd be on their way
1: yeah there you go
0: so there's that that's one thing i mean like i'm trying to think back to when i was like in school i'm i'm like how often do i actually follow up on something you know
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably
0: not very often but also like the Internet wasn't as pervasive like I had it, but it wasn't like in my pocket all the time.
1: One of the things I think is interesting about that notion of, uh, you know, because the Republicans are always so fearful, you know, the the dirty red teachers that we hate uh, that, that are really bad at their job and can't teach kids can <laughs> teach kids how to be communist. Right.
0: Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. They don't deserve raises or anything because they're so good at teaching.
1: Right, because they're they're bad and they're lazy. They don't do anything except for indoctrinating. Except
0: kids. for teach communism and they're really competent at that for some reason.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't know the, the the notion of them of teachers being able to do that, or you know, a wanting to, but b Who
0: has being the able energy? to,
1: or well, I mean, what I mean is being the best vehicle for that. Like we're really not. Like we're okay at at best, kind of. <laughs> Okay, you know, preparing them for what they need to learn to pass their class, to pass Mm -hmm. tests, to do well in their academic future. Um, We're, you know, decent hit or miss at like inspiring to want to do well in general or like to apply themselves or what have you. I think that there's very little actual transmission of values that happens between teacher and student. Across the board.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, at the end of the day, you're an authority figure. And depending what age you're teaching, you're fucking square. You know, like, yeah. I'm not gonna fucking listen to that guy. No, like. <laughs> you're the you man. Know,
1: like, yeah, like, you kind of should be a little bit resented because you are a part of an authoritative mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and like you may be the most anarchist, the most communist or whatever. Person at your school, I probably am. Uh haven't met everybody and talked to them about their <laughs> political philosophy in depth or anything, but
0: Just I'm probably in the top 5%. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's like, I'm still enforcing fucking, you know, hall passes and bullshit like that.
0: Mm-hmm. You're part of a system of, of hierarchy and of, you, you know,
1: You're, you're kind of prison guarding, you know, you're yeah. like you're 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 yeah you're being authoritarian and not authoritarian in the sense that you know people who whine about authoritarianism mean of just like (laughs) doing things but on behalf of a system you don't even believe in like in the sense of like i think we should restrict kids freedoms in these ways you know like i do believe in giving kids education but you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean we've in our episodes about education of like dreaming up what we think it should look like that is very different from your day-to-day like it necessarily is like you couldn't just be like, hey, guys, no more grades like you'll get fired. <laughs> There's only so far you can go.
1: Yeah, it's kind of stupid to juxtapose what you clearly see is your limitations of I I can have relationships with students and like get to know them and form connections to where they're like, yeah, this guy's cool, like or this guy's like, you know, cares about me wants Mm -hmm. to see me do well, but there's a barrier of like, they don't necessarily want to emulate you or take in your values because there's still a gulf of being an adult, being old, being not with it, not understanding them on some level. Like you can be like a good adult, but not, you know, you know what I mean? Like, not be of them. At the end of the
0: day, yeah, you're such a separate entity that it's really hard for them to relate.
1: You're a cop, is what a boy is You're
0: a cop, yeah, in a lot of <laughs> ways. Like, they, there's only so much they can share with you, and there's only so much you can share with them. Because you can be a good
1: apple, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, even beyond that, though, like, they're still forming who they are. And so, you know, they're going to look for influences for sure. But I think with teachers, yeah, you you, I mean, just... I don't know. I went back and forth because I was a fucking nerd who, like, hung out with my teachers during lunch because I didn't have friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I did, like, hang out with our cool, like, history teacher and stuff. And, like, he seemed really, like, awesome. And, like, he taught me a lot about, like, kind of leftist stuff, but, like, not explicitly. So, like, he never sat down and was like, hey, here's here's about what communism is about. He just, <laughs> like, pointed me towards that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's because, like, I was interested in the subject and I, and I sought it out. And, like, that's really rare.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's a, that's a point too is like you do try to meet kids' interests and stuff. And you know, when they're like independently, they bring something else. Oh yeah. You're heavy heard of this sort of thing. You know, you can kind Mm -hmm. of feed into that, but it's just, you you, I don't know. The parents out there should not be worried that they're (laughs) sending their kids to, you know, the young pioneers camp
0: i mean if anything who has the fucking time because like like you were saying like you have to end up purchasing resources or just basing it off of textbooks or whatever you would then have to get all that information organized for class and then detranslate it from anti-communist propaganda and rewrite it into pro-communist like that would suck that would take so long
1: yeah it's a ridiculous undertaking i think
0: yeah it's enough work just being a regular teacher <laughs> just right adding that i'm gonna add a whole new course <laughs>
1: that it would just end up being a waste of time too. It's like, that's not really Mm -hmm. going to do much. And, and it's just, I don't know. The other thing is ethical of like, just being kind of dishonest of like, I think if I just teach kids, what happened in the world that they're, you know, that the famous kind of liberal quote from John Stewart or John Oliver one is, you know,
0: uh, (laughs) one of those guys,
1: reality has a liberal bias or something like that of Mm. reality does have a communist bias. I think of, I think so. Just teach them. And they're going to be like, well, which side am I on? In all of these various conflicts that I keep seeing.
0: Yeah. If they can make those connections. And I think that's, that's really as far as you can get it is I'm, I'm going to set this up for you so that you can hopefully draw these connections and relate to them in certain ways. And That's all I can do, you know, like you want to be there's no such thing as, you know, neutral, but you want to be as close to it as you can get, I guess, which is hard because of our culture. But like you do want to try to like make it maybe a little more balanced when you can, I guess, like you're saying at the top of the show.
1: Yeah. And that's that's where I think the work comes in of you do have to if you're trying to be kind of a leftist, you know, sort of approach which really in our case just means balancing this all is demystifying. I mean, you have to kind of like take away some of the shitty propaganda stuff that's draped over everything. And you can't take away all of it because some of it is like literally state standards that they're (laughs) like, no, you have to teach them the value of free enterprise. Uh You know? Okay. Yeah. But I can also teach them the value of a fucking labor union, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, there's some things that have to be you know put in there that kind of suck but
0: you just have to uh, try to offer them more options
1: the whole picture to the extent that you can basically
0: yeah i mean back to like schools being authoritarianism in a way you know like the reason we have modern school systems is very much like okay well we can't put kids to work in factories anymore but we still have to prepare them for the workforce we need a place yeah. for them to go where they can learn how to follow the rules and show up on time and like be working adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's its origin. For well, I mean, I agree that that's its origin. It is, yeah. But then you get to the question of what even is it doing now? And now it's childcare, tra- like training, like compulsory training. Like these are things you have to do. Uh, it's social services. Of yeah. we're going to feed you. And you know a certain amount of times, if if you qualify for that, or mm-hmm. you know uh, lower rates, if we
0: still have a guidance counselor and not a fucking chaplain, we'll send you there. Do you hear about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Texas did the chaplain thing. Uh, religious groups in, within Texas were like, no,
0: no, like, they, we don't they, want to do that.
1: <laughs> they lobbied against that, but I mean, I think they did it, right? They,
0: yeah, I think they, they, they did that. Yeah,
1: it's crazy, but it's yeah. Uh, Essentially, what society does not want to, what the government, right, what the ruling class, to put it more concisely, doesn't want to deal with or provide for people that this is not a scrap they're deigning to give us. They're going to off put it to the 50 states to provide through their schools. Yeah. If your people are progressive enough to demand that your schools do it.
0: I'm sure there's very few like national standards for that. Like it's it really is on the state level.
1: Yeah, uh, I think there's maybe a standard for lunch, in terms of free lunch oh, and like federal, reduced lunch. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I don't think there's beyond that. It's messed up. It is, and it's one of it's one of those things we've talked about on the show before, but one of those things that they kind of purposefully set up in a way that they can easily tear it down i mean that's one of the campaigns we're seeing not just in texas but across the board of so texas in particular is raising their state standardized scores like benchmark retroactively Mm -hmm. to grade schools so from the previous year they said oh here was the benchmark look at how well you did just kidding. We're going to actually like increase that and lower your grades. And then Whoa. we're going to publish that to everybody and say, look at your shitty grades. And then we're going to pass school vouchers like Abbott wants to do. To and say, then say, look like- how bad they did. And the vouchers are tied to how poorly your school. So <sighs> if your school did really poorly, you're going to get to use a voucher to get out of that school. And we're going to make it to where more schools did poorly because of our own measurements.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So it's a classic case. You know, you look at anything. I mean, this, you don't even have to get into socialist and communist analysis. You can even look at just like liberals will look at government programs that Republicans and conservatives intentionally drive down and bog down and find ways That's to make it shit. fail. And then turn they and look and say, look at the government doing bad things this with this. At it. <laughs> turn it to the private <laughs> sector. Let us make money. Yeah. That is what are do they doing to the NHS thing? in Britain? I mean, it's mm-hmm. the same playbook.
0: Public transport, all mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. That is all they do is tear shit down and then say, who did this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is this <laughs> happening? It's obviously
0: the liberals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the meme uh, where the guy like yeah, just the shooting. Phew, pumps and pull of bullets and who <laughs> could have done this?
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Ugh, Monsters.
1: We're, we were probably looking at the same situation with labor in manufacturing in the united states i mean if you think about back to 2008 2009 you know barack obama is coming in talking about like how can we revive manufacturing like all the you know him and mccain were both talking about this back in the day of like american manufacturing is essentially dead we've got to bring it back right we go you go from that and from unions, which must have been at that time saying, like, please, we'll give you anything. We'll, we'll, we'll give you this concession, that concession. Just let us still have a job. Mm-hmm. So unions now militantly on the, on the strike path, right? And, and, and ringing concessions left and right from their employers. the uh, same in, in Hollywood. Uh, the same in all the different of our labor room sectors that we were talking about. I mean, labor is on the rise when, you know, you look back even two years uh four years where you know where where are we at right yeah So things can look bleak i think in education but they could turn around
0: yeah i mean i saw a little quote on insta today that said if your right to exist is if it's being questioned it's time to start asking about the government's right to exist (laughs) (laughs) because like we're getting, we're getting crushed. And I I think people are finally coming around to like, Oh, okay. Like I can do something about it and I can organize and I can get some fucking concessions made like, yes, let's do it. And I, I think we're reaching that breaking point with a lot of different areas.
1: Yeah. And you know, when you're talking about this stuff and your parents say, you know, well, this sounds a little bit ridiculous. Right, this this is a little too far-fetched. I mean, you know, George Washington and their ilk would not want you to go be going crazy about this sort of stuff. I mean, it was no less a radical than Thomas Jefferson himself that said <laughs> that the tree of liberty must be watered every generation with the blood of tyrants.
0: Yeah, man. You, you can't just, like, set it and forget it here because, like, there are bad actors in the system and they will erode away your shit till you're back at square negative ten.
1: <laughs> yeah. You've got to keep fighting, even if you're, like we were saying with the labor struggles earlier. Even if you're not a big group, you can still eventually. I'm, I'm not even saying like gradually make change to where you become the majority necessarily. Yeah, you can you prepare can still stick yourself. Your neck out there. Right. Yeah, you you can get ready, get your ideas out there, build yourself up to where when the moment comes, even if you're still not feeling ready, you can still. You have the capability of seizing lapels and doing something
0: i would say even on like on a political level of like obviously like i started out as a bernie bro and you know we knew pretty early Same. on that was yeah i know yeah <laughs> and and we knew pretty early on that was destined to fail and sure enough just fucking was but like it got us here and like there's value in that yeah like culturally i think that was a major shift for our generation and, and gen z afterwards
1: oh yeah it was a major shift to, to see people in action, to see people driving within a system and threatening change. And then I do think it was a major shift, a paradigm shift in people's thought to see it quashed.
0: Yes, I, I saw a lot of people get disillusioned with that and go, oh, they can just do that whenever they want.
1: Yeah. And I I think, you know, some people immediately got it. It was like, oh, they quash it. They're corrupt. But this movement, we can do something with it. And then some Mm -hmm. people, I think they're they're like, they're they're going to come. But they have to go through the intermediate fall of, oh, they quash it. This is all fucking bullshit. And but they're still like recoverable because Mm -hmm. they saw like, you know, the liberal path was bullshit they're not quite there to a left project, really. but
0: No, but even having that kind of level of disenchantment of, of not just feeling, you know, relief that Joe Biden's in office. Like, right. being angry at, at a president who is ostensibly, like, had been their party leader. Like, there's a lot more people holding him accountable, I think.
1: Yeah. And, I don't know, I think another... Th- aspect that we have to look at in terms of we were talking about being ready for things, right? In terms of strike action and ends up being <laughs> potentially. I mean, if the anarcho-syndicalists are right, potentially it's the big thing, right? The big general Could pop strike. pop off. Sure. Maybe. But I think just being ready to do whatever we can as soon as we can, as soon as we have the capability of it, is really important given the existential uh, stakes that we're all sitting with in terms of climate i mean more of us honestly myself included have really got to be plugged into opportunities that we have to put our bodies on the gears of capital and stop it from strangling us from choking us all out like in our own noxious fumes (laughs) it's it's yeah it's bad
0: it's real fucking bad yeah it is existential (laughs) and
1: we say this from the comfort of the imperial core because like there are people you know choking themselves death in in lithium mines and everything else like I mean like
0: climate deaths are happening currently
1: yeah and that has to be like stopped by any means necessary
0: yeah that's
1: that's where that's violence (laughs) yeah
0: so I think it's okay to do a little bit yeah totally ugh yeah.
1: A uh, dark spot, as usual.
0: Yeah, yeah, as usual. Ending it on an existential climate note, you know, the classic.
1: In my defense, the climate just gest- gestures vaguely toward the climate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I was I was talking to mom, and I was like, "Remember when? Like, I feel like September used to have a fifty-fifty chance of getting fall weather, and now it's October has a fifty-fifty chance."
1: Jeez. Fuck. And soon
0: it's gonna be, like, November will still be hot. Like, I can't. Hey, I can't. I'm losing the livable months in this state.
1: <laughs> I've had the luxury of driving a rental for a little bit. Mm. So my little car, alright, doesn't have like the AC capabilities anymore. It doesn't anymore. have AC. Like it's, At all? I mean, it does, but it just takes it's a city. while. And if it's baking in the sun all day, mm-hmm. I put the sun shield up and everything, but it's still not great. So, you know, by the time I get home, it's blowing cold air, but In the meantime, it's really struggling to get there. This new, I'm I'm driving like a tank because I'm way up off. (laughs) Well, now I've gotten used to it. So I drove my car out to Helen's the other day. And I was Mm -hmm. telling Abby the whole way. I'm like, I'm in fucking Mario Kart. I'm like on the ground down here. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: because I've been like a week and a
1: half in the big fucking regular okay so this is not a huge truck this is like a toyota it's an average truck now tacoma or something but
0: it would have been a huge truck 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but now i'm like oh, but it's super it's it's chill i can i don't have to put oh. a sunscreen up in and it's like five minutes after driving it's like
0: oh i know nice and cool. i know kyle's car has fucking he has seat heaters for the winter we haven't gotten there yet
1: the wagoneer
0: Yes, the wagonia. It also has seat coolers, too. So, like, oh. you get breezes on your butt, and it's so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this oh, is yeah. what the American ruling class bribes us with. This,
0: this is the what they want us coolers. to talk about, is new cool shit we can buy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I say, hey, you know what? Oh. It's okay. There are sweatshops all over the world dedicated to bringing you cheap shit, but butt coolers.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you considered butt coolers? (laughs) I will be the first to say, I will give up my butt cooler for the revolution. I'll put it out there.
1: Wow. Uh, Hero of the revolution monument. I know.
0: I'm essentially a martyr. They're building my statue already. (laughs) I'm hoping they get all the features, right? Especially the boobs. We'll see. The butt
1: cooler sacrifice. (laughs) In. Pivotal. In the (laughs) revolution.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Next week. Yeah, what are we doing?
1: We'll be talking about democratic centralism. Uh, it's super important. You got to get the balance right between the democratic and the centralism.
0: <laughs> Can't just do one.
1: It's important fusion. You In know, Dragon Ball Z, they do the fusion dance. You, mm, you fuck yeah, it up yeah. a little bit and it doesn't work. You end up with <laughs> weird combos. Do, no, not good. You mm-hmm. have to have a good combination. We'll bring in some words of wisdom from various communist sages. Uh, and our own commentary therein.
0: Cool, exciting.
1: Yeah, should be good. It's a little bit more organizational, to be honest. Of democratic centralism is like how you run your org, and how you run your society.
0: I think kind of fits with what we're talking about today. So
1: yeah, so that should be good.
0: Great. Talk to you then.
1: All right. Adios.
0: Bye. Hey there comrades, just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at TeachMeCommunism. You can shoot us an email, that's TeachMeCommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question. Anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should... You can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube. If that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode including the backlog of notes which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies and at the end of the year all of the funds from patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the dfw area so ain't going to line our pockets finally we have merch check us out at tpublic you can find shirts and i believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.